The How to Study the Bible podcast is brought to you by BibleStudyTools.com and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational faith-affirming podcasts, visit LifeAudio.com. There might be people out there who are who are committing sort of acts of evil or living in darkness and depravity, and you can see that on the outside, and we can look to the right and to the left of our, of our own lives and see that. And we can be, quote-unquote, the good people and be like, gosh, that does not work, right? But Paul is turning the mirror now on the, quote-unquote, good people, and he's like, hey, you guys, while you sit here passing judgment on those other people, I am telling you, you are no different. What you're doing in your heart is the same kind of darkness as the darkness you see out there. Hey everyone, welcome to How to Study the Bible. I'm Nicole Yunus. I'm your host. I'm your fellow just journeyer on this path that we are on through the book of Romans, and it is super fun to get to do this work. We have had so much, I have had so much fun with you guys this past week in our Facebook group. There are people from all over just the world that have engaged with Romans. We've got people from Scotland, Australia, from Nigeria, from the UK, from Canada, all kind of connected, as well as all of our glorious states. There's probably a couple states that we didn't hit, but you guys who have introduced yourself over in the Facebook group, that has been really fun. You do not have to be on Facebook to be part of this tribe, but that is an option for you if you want to feel encouraged and you want to ask questions because you guys, you did, you asked me questions this week and I want to make sure that we address those questions. And actually one of these big questions really comes out in this next chapter. So we're in chapter two of Romans. So if you are following along with me, I'm going to pull out a couple of verses. The idea here is that you have read the chapter. Um, So if you want to pause this podcast, if you want to listen to the Bible on audio, if you want to have read it, that is a good idea. So you kind of have in your mind what you've read, and now we're both coming together around these Alive Method questions. So just to review again, I reviewed last week, but very, very simple. We are just asking four questions of the Bible passage that we are reading. The four questions we're going to ask is, what does it say? We always want to be able to kind of go up to the flyover level when it comes to what we're reading. Like we need to be able to like say the basics of what's happening. Like, hey, this is basically what's happening here. Um, We need to be able to do that in our own words. And a lot of times when we ask the question, what does it say? That is when we start having lots and lots of questions about the passage. One of the things that can happen, especially for you cradle Christians, you who have been raised in the faith, which is a joy and a blessing, but one of the things that can happen when you've been around the Bible for a long time is you can kind of glaze over when you're reading. You're like, ah, blah, blah, blah. You know, you just like, your mind sort of goes into cruise control and you lose the ability to say, wait a second, what is this actually saying? Do I understand what this really means? When this word grace is used here when, as we're going to look at today, God's kindness leads to repentance. What is God's kindness? Like just not um, like passing over this stuff and pretending like we just kind of know what it means. And so our brain, again, goes into cruise control. We're not looking at it. So we want to do that today. We want to do that flyover first, because when you understand the bigger narrative, then you can drill down 
to the smaller. Okay, so when we understand on the big side, like what's happening here, then we can drill down. And a lot of times our problem passages, the ones that are concerning to us, or we don't know how to interpret, a lot of times those are on the smaller side, right? So we want to understand the big thing first, then we can go to the smaller thing. It's not to say that these issues are not important, and that they aren't important that we all sort of be Bible interpreters, and that we really do Um, apply our very best intelligence and our very best heart to what we're reading. But it does mean that if we don't get the big stuff first, it's very, very possible that we will misinterpret the smaller stuff. So we want to do that. Okay. So one of those big questions that you guys raised over in the Facebook group was around homosexuality, which comes out in Romans chapter one. But I want to interpret that through a bigger lens first. I'm not going to actually interpret homosexuality right now in our culture and in our world. We're going to deal with what the Bible says and what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 1. We can do more of that later if we want to talk more about that and sort of both sides of that argument and how the Greek is interpreted on both sides of the argument. But we can we can see here what Romans is saying to us, but we want to understand what it's saying on the meta, right? Like on the big the big story first. Okay, so what does it say? So um, first for things first, I just want to pull out a couple of verses that we're going to look at today. Hopefully you've read Romans chapter 2. If you haven't, I certainly recommend it. But um, before we do that, go, we're going to do Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and Romans chapter 2, verses 29. So that's where we're going to focus like our deep dive, but we're going to talk about what the whole chapter says first. Okay, so Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 say this. So... Do you guys remember what happens when we hear the word so? Whenever we hear so, it means we really need to understand what happened right before this. Okay, so we'll just make a note. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? And then verse 29 in Romans chapter 2 says this, No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Okay? So we've got kind of these the beginning and the end of this chapter that set us up for that meta-narrative, what's actually happening here. So we're going to do this flyover first. So last week on the podcast, we left off with, hey, Romans is going to give us a vision for our life. Like, we're going to be able to say, like, what is this good news? And why is it, like, such good news for today? Like, we're going to get that vision for our life. That's what Romans is going to give us. It's kind of like we get a promise at the beginning of Romans. This is what this is about, right? So we first have to ask ourselves, hey, do I want to sign up for that? And I think, honestly, most of us here are looking to be grounded in the faith. We're like, we want to know. Like, we want to be grounded in what it means that this is good news. And in a world full of bad news, what does it mean for be for me to be a person who understands what good news is? So that's the vision of Romans. And then we left off with the fact that we were set up with a problem. And the problem was what has happened to humans in the world, right? Like that's a basic problem is, okay, but you know what, guys? Like things are going wrong. (laughs) Things have gone really wrong. And chapter one's about what it looks like when things go really wrong. It's about that idea that like we have worshiped 
the created things rather than the creator. And it has led to incredible discord and division, right? I mean, that's really what we know is happening. And when we pick up chapter two, we're still in that, okay? So we're in the problem. And we hear that we have a problem. So the people who are reading this, remember, are going to be people who are in the faith, right? Like are, are sort of seeking Jesus, or they're, they're Jews who are, are coming into the way. And so these are the people who are reading it. And so verse two, I'm sorry, verse one in chapter two says, hey, Uh, You have no excuse, those of you who pass judgment on someone else, for whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Ooh, so now the problem is, okay, there's a lot of folks who have gone bad, but what Paul's actually saying is, hey, those of you guys who think that you've gone good, you ain't all that. You're not who you think you are. And this is what's so like revolutionary to me about this letter when we read it, because I know what's coming later. And some of you guys might know, too, that Paul himself is going to talk about his own struggles. But right out of the gate here in Romans chapter two, Paul is like calling people out. He's like, hey, I know who you really are. Like those of you who think you are good, you're not that good. (laughs) It's just like. So he's kind of like, hey, there might be people out there who are who are committing sort of acts of evil or living in darkness and depravity. And you can see that on the outside. And we can look to the right and to the left of our of our own lives and see that we can see just like, oh, my gosh, just people who are, who are trying to find life in all of these places where you cannot find life. They're like finding life in their like appearance and their and their sexual prowess and their likes on Instagram and how much money they can make and their celebrity and their popularity. And we can see all that and we can be quote unquote the good people and be like, gosh, that does not work, right? But Paul is turning the mirror now on the quote unquote good people and he's like, hey you guys, while you sit here passing judgment on those other people, I am telling you, you are no different. What you're doing in your heart is the same kind of darkness as the darkness you see out there. Does that make sense? On the big level, on the meta level, that's what we're reading in chapter two. He's like, you think that you are, you're able because you can do good things on the outside. Do you think that that is going to be enough for you? Do you think that that's going to make this work for you? And he's speaking as a Jewish, like a Jewish expert of the law. Like he really speaks out of his own heart. So when we think about the backstory in this chapter, when we're reading this whole thing about like, hey, it's not so good. It's not so good. Chapter one is like, there's people out there who who are doing bad. But guess what? These people that are doing good, you guys are doing bad in your heart too. And I know it. He's basically like, I know what you're doing. He says in verse 17, you call yourself a Jew. You rely on the law. You boast in God. You say that you're a guide for the blind. You say that you're the one who instructs people. But guess what? You do the same things in your heart. So really on the meta, on the on the high level, like if we're going to be at cruising altitude over the top of these two chapters, what we're reading is really a setup to say human beings cannot be good on their own. Like there is not a holiness that you can pursue that will make you holy enough for God. And, and again, as we start to build this argument about what the good news is, we ourselves need to ask the question, what am I relying on to make me feel good? What am I relying on to say that I'm okay? And basically, Paul's like, hey, some people are relying on worshiping created things, and they've sort of given themselves over to this depravity and debauchery and dissension and drunkenness and lots of other D words that I 
I'm just a preacher, guys. I have to always have alliteration. But he's saying, hey, that's going on. But now in chapter two, and he's like, and hey, those who call yourselves good, I know you're doing the same thing. You are passing judgment. You're condemning. You're not compassionate. You're not loving. You steal. Like he's saying all this same stuff that's happening in your heart. The law is not going to get you there. And so for those who were under the law, those who understood the law, and we're going to talk more about the law later because it's a big part of understanding the gospel. But this idea of the Old Testament law, like what was given in the Old Testament, Paul is saying, you have a problem if you think that that's going to get you there, right? That's that the problem is not working because it's not who you actually are. So we've got a big, big call out going on right now. And for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, I think this is this is the chapter of conviction, right? If you've been worried about chapter one and you're like, I don't know how to I don't know how to love my my friend. I don't know what I think about homosexuality. I'm like, okay, well, let's go on the high level first, because the argument that's being built is whether your sin is clearly on the outside or your sin is on the inside we all have the same need for God's kindness. And that becomes the starting point for the good news. The good news is always about, oh my gosh, I was blind, but now I see, oh my gosh, I've experienced God's grace for me. Like I need the forgiveness of God in my life over and over and over again. When we have that posture in our life, the way we then will engage with the sins on the outside will be so different. It will be a place of saying like, hey, I've been lost, like I get lost and, and you seem lost. And I, I think I've, I've found the way, like I know this Jesus and he's changing my life and our outward action, the way that we are will be so different. So that's the backstory. We have a problem. The problem is set up. We're bad. And even when we think we're good, we're still bad. And there, it, we need a solution. We need, we need a savior. We need an answer for this lack of holiness that we ourselves can experience. Okay, so question three in the Alive Method, what does it mean? Okay, so whenever we ask the question, what does it mean? We're looking for that principle that is the same when it was written in Romans as it is today. So if I was walking down the street in early Christianity, right way back in first century AD, and we were reading this letter together, I could time travel from 2021 into this space. And I could say, you know what I think I read out of this letter? And it would be the same for that first century Christian as it is for me today. That's what a principle is. Okay, it's timeless. It, it transcends uh, circumstance, it transcends race, class, age, it, it, it's, it's actually the, the truth, right? It's the piece of truth. Then the fourth question that we ask, what does it mean for me, is when we contextualize it, meaning what does it mean in my day for who I am? So what does it mean? Here's what I wrote uh, as a principle for you guys to think about and consider. Genuine faith does not come from outward acts, but an inward reality. Heart change is proven over time. Okay, so in verses six and seven, we've got this little tricky passage that a lot of people get tripped up on. Um, In verse six, it says, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. 
So oftentimes when people read that passage, they think, oh my gosh, is this salvation conditional? Does this mean that my salvation is conditional on my good works? Like if I don't have the right kind of faith, I'm not going to be in heaven. I'm going to have God's wrath upon me. And people get real freaked out about this, which is why biblical interpretation is really important, right? We want to understand the big principles first. And the story of Romans from beginning to end is God's kindness, God's mercy. That is that is intended to lead us to repentance. God's ability by faith to save us because of our faith and not by works. That's what we're going to read all the way through. So when you pull a couple of verses like that out of context, you're like, wait, that sounds like I have to do good to get to heaven. And if I don't do good, I'm not getting to heaven. I'm not having immortality. I don't have glory honor. Well, yeah, if you pull those two verses out and you don't read anything around it and you don't read the rest of the book and you don't read the rest of the New Testament, yeah, that's going to be what it sounds like. But when you place it in context, this is why I like for y'all to have paper Bibles so you can see where they belong, you know, see where these verses belong. When you place it in context around these bigger principles, what we're actually reading about, and it's exactly what I read in our study notes, actually, it says Paul is not contradicting his emphasis that people are saved by faith. But what he is talking about is persistence in doing good as the proof of your genuine faith. Okay. So that idea is heart change happens over time. Like when we are walking with Christ, when we say yes to Jesus, we do not just transact. We don't, the good news is not transactional. There is a starting point to your life in Christ, but actually your faith is proven over your persistence in doing good over time. Heart change happens over time. And, and I just was reading about C.S. Lewis last night. I was reading a little biography and I was so encouraged because I didn't realize that C.S. Lewis didn't become a Christian until he was 31 years old. And he like wrestled with what is the way, like what makes wor- the world worth living? And he was a complete atheist and he pursued philosophy and idealism and materialism and all. And he just like reluctantly had to agree that there really was a God, and then finally kind of like became this reluctant convert is how he calls himself at age 31. And look at all the good C.S. Lewis has done in our world. And so I just, I want to say that because I think some of us, we get in a moment where we either are in just a really uh, a valley of our own, and we just feel like, oh my gosh, is any of this even real? Is God even real? Is he hear me? Does he love me? Or we're loving someone who's in a valley, or we're loving someone who's in a rebellion who's far from God. And it's like we are living in this transactional mentality, which is like, oh my gosh, if they don't pray the prayer right now, like, oh my God, you know, and I I just, I want to encourage us that our faith is proven genuine over time. And it starts with us. It starts with the people, you guys, whoever's on this podcast, whoever's listening right now, it starts with you. It starts with you being like, man, I'm the one who's sitting in this book of Romans. I'm the one that is getting to encounter God. Like, I'm the one who needs a a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and a fresh fire for the reality of what it means to be saved by grace. And when I'm living out of that place, I'm going to be able to trust the Spirit to lead me in these other relationships of the people. I'm going to trust the Spirit to, to allow to bring to mind the way that I can pray for somebody that I love. I can do that as my starting point. And as I am sanctified and renewed and refilled with the Spirit, I'm going to be able to walk out these other hard things. Amen? Does that make sense? So what does it mean for me? Uh, For me, I wrote this. I have a problem just as much as anyone. (laughs) Like, 
that's really what I take from this chapter is like, hey, whether you've been a cradle Christian, you just became a Christian, you don't know about Christianity, whether you're not sure what you think about homosexuality, whether you're not th- sure what you think about all the debauchery, drunkenness, and dissension in chapter one, whether you think that you've been doing a really good job and you actually are more like the, the older son and the prodigal and you're like, I don't know, I feel like I do good. Wherever you are, you have a problem just as much as anyone. And that problem is our unrighteousness. That problem is our sin. And it is a problem. And it, that is that sin is what is broken in you. That sin creates brokenness within you. It creates brokenness with other people. It creates brokenness in our world. It's what we see happening around us. There's, there's no political party. There's no idealism. There is no particular church that's going to rescue you from the reality that you have a problem. Like, that is what Paul is saying. He's like, hey, listen, I am a teacher of the law. I'm an expert in the law, and I'm telling you, I got a problem. And hey, you guys out there who think that you're saved by the law, you think it's all okay, you got a problem too, because I know what your heart's like. And hey, those of you out there who are clearly, clearly outside the faith, you've got a problem too. Like, we are getting to that passage. We're getting to that point, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short. We've fallen short, and we need a rescue. And that's really what the big message of Romans 1 and 2 are about. So we just need to ask, I think it's a good time to slow down and say, do I believe that I, ha- that I need a savior? Do I experience in my own self-awareness the way that I fall short each and every day? What does that look like? Can I name those things? Can I actually put name to it? Can I say, you know what? I have an ego. I am prideful. Um, I gossip, I slander, I, I steal from others by the way that I speak about them. I have, what can you name things in you that you know represent you falling short? Because I think what Paul is calling out is that these this group of Jewish people who'd been lulled into complacency because they were keeping the law, so they were not realizing that, no, this circumcision, this thing that happens in us is inward. It's a thing of the heart. It's a thing of the spirit. So I leave you on that very beautiful note, that very bright note to ask you, um, do you know, do you know that you have a problem just as much as anyone? And the great news of the gospel means that there is a solution to our problem and that there is a savior and that grace is even better than we can even imagine. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in. So glad to be with you, and I will talk with you soon. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. This episode was produced by Kelly Gibbons and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleEunice.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Hey there, it's Carly Mercoulier, host of Therapy and Theology, a weekly podcast that explores popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.